more Michaels Harris. How is it going? No you know, warning, nothing. Just no, you know, get, you know, what happened was <laughs> got a big rain stick. Going These are there. our junk. If I only had a quarter, uh, oh, is that what we're calling it now? Why <laughs> I have I have one very similar to that, but it is way smaller and a little paler. Look at you had drums, so I went and found the only jungle instrument I had uh, <laughs> to join in. But I didn't know I'd be in here so soon. But here we are. Do you do you know? Have I ever uh, told you the symbolism of the drum? No, the the drum is uh, it's it it's kind of like um, I'm I'm gonna continue being me and I'm gonna continue doing all the things I do and beating my drum the way I beat my drum. So, uh, as as far as like my messages remaining consistent and it's more consistent, it's more this uh, symbolism of consistency than anything. And and I bring it to the ring with me before oh. my matches and I beat the drum before. Each match because you beat I, the like, drum before you beat their ass. And I say this is this is this is the most sacred thing I could do. This is the most this is ceremony for me. Like wrestling is religion to me. Wrestling is my heart. Wrestling is wow. my 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 religion. So I, I use that as like this is the sacred drum. It's all part of the ceremony. We're 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 warriors putting on a, a, a war performance in front of you. Do your fans get into it? Uh, yeah, well, it's, it's, <laughs> yeah, they're really oh. into everything I do. I mean, right. It's, um, I mean, cause that's a great way to, to, you know, turn people on to something that can benefit them that they might not have thought about otherwise. So yes. I mean, like they, well, they get it. Sometimes I act like it's annoying, you know, sometimes I get obnoxious with it cause I want to be, I want to be a heel. I want them to not like me. So I'll be like, oh yeah, this that's is true. That's a part of it. It you. all depends on what face I'm making. When I'm hitting the drum, I'm like, hey, yeah. I get <laughs> or, it. or if I'm smiling and I'm like ready to move and ready to go. It all Alrighty depends then. on what face I make. <laughs> so before, before we get into anything at all, before we start anything at all, I just want to say, please, please, please feel welcome and free to, to be whoever you are and say however you feel. And I just want you to know how grateful I am and how valuable I know your time is. The fact that uh, you're spending the currency of that value on me. All I'm going to say is this. important. Do you mean that? Are you sure? Yeah. <laughs> you might want to explain. I'm not going to do it. It's your show. I can do it on my show, but I won't do it on your show. <laughs> okay, I will. Okay, I will. <laughs> Go ahead. I can't help it. It was that casserole. I'm kidding. Okay, Corey. I did it on my show, but now I've gone and done it here too. And when we were there, I said, when we were there, I said, farts are undeniably funny. There's something, there's just like, you cannot take the comedy out of what farts are. I, I think like cavemen were probably farting and laughing at it. Oh, of course. <laughs> They had a use for it, probably to light their fires. Two, yep. get ready, you know. <laughs> Rub the sticks together. Have you ever seen that? Someone uh, light like that? Lighting a fight on fire. A fart, a on, fart fire? on fire. Yes. Uh, I saw I, it. I have seen. I've seen it go wrong. 
on I viral know. videos. Oh, oh, for you get, real? You get lost in a rabbit hole Where of butt. Sucked it yes, that's a, 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 butt, a butt rabbit hole. Oh, my God. No, I'm not. No, I'm glad some people do it so we can see it's real. But so listen, can I show you my favorite Christmas gift? I just don't know who to give it to yet. And you yeah. might know someone. It's a book to read to the child who will not go to sleep. Are you ready? Yeah, please. Oh, yeah. I've seen that in the stores. Yeah. So uh, You have? Uh-huh. Yeah. That's it a was the number one New York Times bestseller. Go to go the F to sleep. Go the F to sleep. Listen, can I do can I do do cuss on your show? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I just read one page, right? Okay, please. I mean, I wish I was a babysitter to some brat. I'd be like, here's your story, little Liam. <laughs> the cats nestle close to their kittens. The lambs have lain down with the sheep. You're cozy and warm. In your bed, my dear. Please go the fuck to sleep. <laughs> the windows are dark in the town, child. The whales huddle down in the deep. I'll read you one very last book if you swear. You'll go the fuck to sleep. So <laughs> it just goes on and on. I think it's brilliant. Yeah. But I don't know anybody with a kid or, you know, some people don't know how to take a joke. That's yeah. Sucks. That's very true. It's don't very you true. hate when people don't get a joke? I mean, the, the, the like, I think what, going back to me talking about how precious time is, we waste so much time overthinking a joke that was only a joke made to make you jo enjoy your time. And we just waste all these right nows on right now, so we'll never get back. That's like true. Like those instants. That's true. So let's, uh, you know, be be a little less likely to honk at somebody on the road maybe be a little less likely uh to create a like uh, you could ruin somebody's day just as easily you know what i mean maybe, as you can make their day. don't get if don't don't walk around looking to get offended i feel like that's a you know it's kind of like we're almost in like a very outraged culture and uh we we can we can we can we can uh we can lift the nose on that and and kind of rise above speaking of noses actually this is not a good segue but i needed something you know i bet you your fans could walk right past you in the mall right now and not even know it's you because you look so different mm -hmm. without the beard it's like a totally different person well i saw your just, photo just be like everybody else at the mall who doesn't know it's me yeah, and you're right in your current promo pictures. You look like you were in, could have been in that that movie Tombstone. Yeah, you yeah. know, like I'll be your little right, right. But you look so different without it. What is it you love about? See how I, see how I turned the show into mine. I'll be yeah. doing the interviewing today. Oh no, but I want to know why. Is there a difference? Are you different? Is your persona different with the facial? Because on my show today, you mentioned, oh, it's growing back. <laughs> Are you the same guy with or without the hair? Oh, yeah. I mean, I can't see it most most of the time throughout my entire day. I can only see what's in front of my eyes. So I can't see my own face. But when I look in the mirror, it's just like I feel more like myself when I have a little bit of something. Like, I feel like I look more like me with a little bit of something grown in on my face. <sighs> and uh, what I is that? Oh. Uh well, I'm saying you look really young. 
without it. Is that it? Did you want to grow up fast? You know, and, and, and you know, like, remember when you started having a mustache, you were like, ooh, I need shade. Look, at it. it was nothing but like some a, a shadow. Yeah. I yeah. was like that. And I wanted to shave because they said it would grow in faster. Right. And then uh, I looked totally stupid with a mustache. Oh, my God. <laughs> I hate pictures that show that. I think um, I think that I didn't I couldn't grow anything. I still really can't. I can't get anything up on my cheeks. Just only right here. But I couldn't grow anything until I was like graduated high school. Was I able to ever grow anything? God, so you were so old when that happened. I don't get it. Something's wrong with your DNA. High school, you know. Wait a minute. I just thought about it. Do we just get to talk about whatever the hell we want to talk about in here? Or is yeah, there? I mean, today? I mean, I, I'll wait until I have that little ding bell go off in my head for me to, for sure, ask you something that's important. But I, okay. at the, in the meantime, we're BSing, dude. We're just, we're just okay. becoming more friends. Nice to know. I'm all for it. I really, I really want us to be friends, and I'm excited about that. So Aww. I feel like this will be a platform for us to be able to find out who each other are and stuff. Well, I'm excited to be here. I love the title of your show. Um, you know, I've had you on my show twice. One planned and one extemporaneous. Right. That's fancy talk for spur of the moment. So anyway, um, I learned that at Toastmasters, in case you're wondering. I think you ought to put a disclaimer up and let everybody know that we both have ADHD. Mm -hmm. They're distractible boys. So if anything's bound to happen in here, so I'm just letting you know. So, <laughs> and that's the bell from my show, but I'll be ringing it today out of habit. Uh huh. Yeah. I mean, yeah. even when we're not recording, the bell gets hit. Mm -hmm. I mean, this is this is uh, the genuine article. The very core of what you are and who you are is unapologetic for hitting that bell when when the moment strikes you. It is the bell of purpose, mm. and I ring it on purpose. Yeah, so it's you know got why? very you know similar, very similar uh, roots than this drum. Exactly. Mm -hmm. It's a heads up kind of thing. It for me, it's what seals a sacred moment. Like when I'm on a coaching call and downloads are pouring in from all directions. When I know at the end of that, when it's oh, when it's complete and the circle has been closed, I'll ring the bell and I'll say like, "That's it." The circle was just closed. We 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 did it. We came together and created something magical. Now it's back to life as usual. So, how about those bears? You know, um, <laughs> do you right? Know, do you but know I think it's important what you have there. The yeah. the the acknowledgement of this isn't just. It looks like just fun and bullshit and stuff. But don't get it twisted. Everything we do, we must mean it if right. we hope for it to have any chance of becoming meaningful somewhere in the universe. One of one of my wrestling coaches, uh, my my teachers, one he's become one of my favorite men that I've ever met in my life, Eddie Valentine. Uh, he he told me when I first start when I first started having him as my coach, um, he was like, "Everything you do, you got to mean it." And he's like, "Not just not just mean it by showing it on your face. You got to mean it so that it shows on your face." Hmm. And Eddie Valentine dropped a nugget. So I've been living everything since then based around that. And also an also nugget that he dropped that I still have written on my wall. I still have written on my on the dry erase board in my living room. It says, don't be 12. He said that to me. He said that to me when he first started being my coach. And I I I let it apply to everything. When I look at something, I'm like, yeah, I'm I'm, a, I'm an adult now. And let me think about 
Except for when it comes to like fart humor. I'll laugh at that. I could, you can be 12 oh. all you want in that. Well, when it comes to, you know, when it comes to uh, being somebody worth looking up to. Yes. Don't be 12. Don't be 12. Oh, B12. Yeah. The vitamin. <laughs> yeah. Don't oh. be 12. B <laughs> vitamin C. I'm kidding. Okay, go ahead. That's 80. I warned you. I, 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 uh, I snorted B12 uh, for fake cocaine on, uh, on a, a TV show. Oh. Called, called Vinyl. It was like a hotel party that like Alice Cooper was supposed to be at. It was supposed to be based in the 70s. And I I did I did fake drugs. B12, did it burn? No, it just it psychs you up a little bit. Oh. So you actually got high on the B12. Now that I'm thinking about it, I don't I don't think I actually actually inhaled it. I don't think I actually did it. I think I just pantomimed it. Well, it had to leave the surface they had to see it go somewhere well, it was it was a far away shot so they I, oh so what did you do like do that was what was chopped up i don't it? think i actually even did it now that i'm thinking about it but that was you know, what was chopped up there in the and line. in the 80s i i simulated oh no wait that was real and it was p no that was coke never mind change it to a different story well <laughs> I, I did in the 80s i i did want to kind of i want to kind of to in 2000s to to unbox that a little bit like Ooh. because because really like i say anybody who's any kind of performer or if anybody who's any kind of like look at me here here's me listen to me look at me we 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 have we have damage we're damaged folks true and i i kind of know a little bit of what that is but i would want to ask you if you could kind of unbox a little bit because i know that i know that you were put in the system at a very young age uh, in the foster care. Yeah. And then, then some, then fast forward a little bit to drug use and then fast forward a little bit to life coach, like, like giving this light and love oh. and energy to people. And, and, and that's an evolution that I'm really curious of. Uh, what, well, what was that? What was that path? That's a great, great question. And I like the way you framed it. Um, because I don't have to go through every single square of the sidewalk. Um, so here we are, you know, where you started was like the corner, the main corner where I started. And I look down and I see all these slabs of sidewalk in front of me. Those were the neighborhoods that I had to go through to get to where I'm at today. And, you know, sometimes we get to choose and sometimes it's chosen for us. But eventually... It should all come together where you understand that it is it's like a double dutch uh jump roping thing you know um you learn how to how to do how to move between both worlds um the world that we choose and the world that is chosen for us um and so it wasn't easy but it becomes easier you know um you know thing, things that come easy suck anyway like usually like usually if something's easy, there's some, there's some catch and it winds up being harder in the long run. In the long so like run. Your, your struggles, anybody, anybody listening, your struggles aren't permanent and uh, they, they can be, um, they can, they can, 
they can become a little bit easier to navigate through when you realize that like well there's the word you hit it you hit it i'm gonna tell yeah. you when it started changing for me mm -hmm. when it started changing for me when i started changing period mm -hmm. i didn't know who it was for what it was for why but i knew i needed something to change and here it is um Excuse me. I I was taking I was taking advice from people who weren't qualified to give it. Keep it perfectly honest. For instance, people would say to me, "Oh, oh, Lauren, that's horrible. Don't um, don't worry. One day you'll find a way around it." Oh, Lauren. Oh, I don't know how you do it. That's such a burden. I hope you can dig yourself from underneath it. Oh, or those people, cynicals or what cynics or whatever. You know, what the fuck, Lauren? Just get over it. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, they all were doing their best. They were all playing a specific role in my journey, clearly, at that time. However, it wasn't until I found the courage to not do any of those things, not get around. I call that wall talk today. That's how you talk to a wall. Um, and I've never heard of a wall of opportunity. I've only heard of doors and windows of there's opportunity. A, there's a thing I quote very often, and I, I'm going to, I'm going to, let you use it if if you like could i <laughs> if you'd like there's this mitch hedberg mitch hedberg joke that he used to he used to say you the good thing about tennis is you can get really good at tennis you can you can play you can practice all, every day all day but you'll never be as good as the wall oh that's true and then i i'll say and i'll I say tennis. i'll and look at that as a as a like a metaphor for anybody yeah. i'm talking to if yeah. i'm if i'm if i'm if I feel like I'm serving up and they're the wall and they're not, you know what I mean? They're not well, like I do. participating. But that's a totally different metaphor. So then I'll go, well, that's I only a got like three, I only got like three tennis balls in this can. I'm not, I'm going to, I'm not going to take them and just throw them on the roof of the place. I'm going to go take them and play with somebody who's going to like participate. Well, yeah, but don't, don't underestimate the wall. I mean, mm -hmm. the wall the wall sends back what you send it. Right. Yeah. That's what I love about that. Um, yeah. And sometimes, and it doesn't always come right back to you because right. there's an angle. You put an angle, you put a spin on it and it changes the like trajectory call it English. of the ball. Yeah. Right. So back to my original, the wall talk and the whole thing, yeah. because it's real. It's yeah. real. You asked me about how it started to change. And it was because just like on the wizard of Oz, when Dorothy, when the house, when everything's in black and white, she's just come through the storm of her life. Um, dream or not, you know, the house lands. Dorothy goes with a thump. She's She's got Toto, hug the thing that matters to her, something she loves. And then she grabs the next thing that's valuable to her, that basket. And then she gets up, there's a window right behind her. You can even see when you watch the clip or the next time you see the movie. You can see the 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 um, curtains flapping in the wind. Definitely a way out, but she doesn't go the, to the quickest. She didn't go out the back. She opens up her door. And she starts looking. She's seeking. She's been. That's her house. She knows all the turns. But you see in her face, like, well, I don't know what's something's different. She goes to the front door, and she opens it, and the camera pans, and it lets us see first. Then she goes in, as if to say, she saw the color and goes after you well here it is i said all that to say this anytime i go through something 
and the house thuds, I head for the front door to see where it led me because everything happens for a reason. And I just don't go rushing in. I, instead of letting the camera pan up, I cast all the truths, everything I already know. Okay, I've been in black and white before. I've been, I've come through a storm before. So no matter what's on the other side of that door, I'm clearly ready for it. So that's my truth. I cast it out in front of me, just like the camera went in and she said, you guys take a look at Oz before I go running in. And that's how I do it, Corey. Seriously, you know, you just have to remember, I felt like this before and it still turned out. So what I mean is you cannot tell people you're an authority on anything until you've lived it. I don't care how many books and tests you went through. If you have never been depressed, you can't tell me how to deal with depression from a textbook. Sorry. And I'm married to a therapist, but still, I'm just saying. So it's like this. You, you, you learn. Depression, back to the fart thing. Depression, we were talking about that earlier. Things that do not serve us. Let's go there. Things that do not serve us are like turds, not spaghetti. In other words, you throw spaghetti, different pieces against the wall. Some is going to stick, some isn't. Every turd you throw is going to stick. Because it wants you to believe that your world is shit. So you know what? I quit picking up turds. I traded them in for things I didn't want to throw. Right. I, I picked them up for diamonds. I picked them up for the heart, love, for things that matter to me that I wanted to keep and not throw. Why would I keep picking up things that I first thing I want to do was chuck it? Man. So it was how I believe this, Corey. I think we all just like you, you went to your wall analogy, something that stuck for you. I think no matter where you hear it, what you feel, as long as you create an image that you can live with that reminds you of your truth. Don't hide things that you've gone through in life because they are the things that will remind you of your superpowers one day. Just put it up somewhere. Don't hide it. And if you do hide it, make sure you know how to find your way back to it when you need it. Right. Because you will need it because you came through that shit. Right. So that's it. Lauren, I'm curious. I know you've been on tons of shows and you've been Mm -hmm. on, You've been interviewed tons of times. You've been in magazines and on different programs and podcasts and whatever else. Yeah. And uh, what out of all those, what is one question that you've never been asked that you've always wanted to be asked? Ooh, that one. (laughs) (laughs) Next. I'm a cop out. <laughs> what a cop Ooh, out. That was a goat. That is a good one. Hmm. Really good one. Oh. Like maybe, like Here, maybe I got it. something about you. No, I got it. Okay. I got it. I know people want to ask, especially people who are victims. There was a lot of abuse in those 22 homes I lived through. And I've always wondered why no one ever asked me the one question. Like, did you ever want to just kill one of those people that did that to you? Um, Cause I asked myself that question. Why didn't you, why couldn't you, you know, because at the time, nothing matters. 
and you feel like I don't have anything to lose, like a lot of people who actually follow through on those crazy ideas. But but no one's ever asked it. But I asked myself, and I have many times through the years, why didn't you? Because, you know, I'll be honest with you. I remember in my first foster home, there were three boys. They all died in care. None of them made it out of foster care. I found that out when I got out and um, found my caseworker from all those years ago and had her go look for them. I wanted to reunite with them, see how they turned out. None of them made it to the age of the oldest was 14, but we were all nine and under mm. when we went in there. And I'll never forget Andrew, the youngest. He was like four, three when I met him, but four when he left the house. And they pulled him out of that house because he 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 went after the foster mom with a knife. He was a little guy, and he he meant it. I was in the old. kitchen. Yep, I was in the kitchen, and I saw him when she did something. She took something from him, or she called him a name or something because he had been born in prison. Mm. His mom was in prison, so he had been in an institutional setting every moment of his life. He was he looked he was three or four, but he looked like an old man. I'm not kidding you. He really mm -hmm. literally looked like an old man and he grabbed that butter knife off the table and I'll never forget. It. He went, I could just kill you. And he, the way he said it, everybody was like, so I often think about that because he was so young and he was so, and he meant it, but his pain was so deep at just three, four years old. And so I, I think about that before I try to pass judgment on anything I see anybody else do, especially when you read the wretched news or you listen to that stuff, how they use that stuff. They lead with it. Like, guess what? Guess what tragedy happened now? Yeah. You know, and, and, like uh, it's always considered the source and consider with with anything I'm ever hearing. Like, what is this person trying to sell me? What what clicks are they trying to get? Like, what is the what is the, the bait right. that they're trying to throw? Right. But here's the reason I, I I I always wonder why no one had asked me that, because I was curious as to how I would organically answer it. Could I admit it? Because the thing about it is, it's okay to feel a certain way, because that's just the scab on the wound. So if we, if I acknowledge the scab, maybe I have a chance of acknowledging the wound, and the scab is just like a scar. It's proof that something is healing or has healed. And that's why I honor my scars today. I talk about every single one of them. Because, like, I have the scar on my finger when I was nine. And I cut myself in a new sash window trying to scare my mom. You know, sneak in the house, you know, left it open. And I ended up, but I could tell you every detail of that morning. How I planned it. You know, what happened. All of it. And so, that's the beauty of a scar. When we look at, oh, you know, look at people that have been in wars and stuff with gunshot. Well, look at this one. I caught this one in Korea in Fortitude or whenever it was. Now, that was yeah. World War II. But you get the point. So, well, he was just in Korea for some other reason. Uh, right. <laughs> when I was running heroin. Right. <laughs> but, but the thing is, a lot of people will cover their scars up. You know, I don't wear shorts because I got that scar on my knee. Um, I don't take my shirt off because that's where I had my appendix out. You know, scars are there to remind us of something that is healed. And the literal ones, whatever you can see in the real world, it's an example of what is inside the things we cannot see as well. So emotional scars, proof of healing, mm -hmm. you know, 
If it's a scab, it still needs to heal. What remember when you had band-aids and stuff on and your mom would take a look at it and she go, No, why aren't you gonna put another band-aid on, mom? No, it needs some air. She exposed it so that it can finish healing. So that means it can't stay covered up forever. It'll get worse, it'll get infected. So I look at examples in my real world of things that are inside my world. And I've always had to do that because I wasn't always in a home where anyone gave a damn shit. I, oh, so, I like, I never made that up. That cuss. cuss no, group. No, one ever, no one ever gave a damn shit. Gave a damn shit. Have you ever heard that? <laughs> no. I, I, I know. I think I just created time. it. Um, oh, and, and she didn't even, never mind. I can't do it twice. Go on. Or in in the danger zone, the danger of overtagging that joke. Overtagging, right? Yeah. No one ever gave a damn shit. I like it. Okay, so yeah, yeah, yeah. Scars. So scams. How old were you? How old were you when you uh, found out you were gay? When you when you decided to tell yourself? Here's my here's my response to straight guys that asked me that question. How did I, when did I know? The moment I laid eyes on you. <laughs> <laughs> and they go from this to <laughs> there's a there's a there's a there's quite a bit of insecurity in, in heterosexual males. Uh, it's so funny. That's another great question, though, because I'll tell you, long before I entered the system, before my adoptive mom died, um, I I think I was seven and I was adamant that I wanted a Easy Bake Oven. Now, back then, they didn't call you gay when you're outside playing. They called you sissy. And I just, no, you know, they did it. But it didn't, I didn't think anything because there was nothing sexual about it yet. Right. And I couldn't understand why boys couldn't have an Easy Bake Oven when my mom would every Sunday watch the Galloping Gourmet. A chef mm -hmm. who was a guy. He was cooking. You know, was he so, was he uh, was he also a horse? A horse because of the galloping. Oh, I was see you say I was gonna say I don't know, but I'll go watch the footage and see if if he ever steps from behind that island. I can tell you, <laughs> he's, he's 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 over here, uh, centaur. The guy, he's got the the island covering his his horse his horse body his horseness. <laughs> You know, I tell you what, oops, sorry. Um, anyway, <laughs> you're horrible and you're just horrible. No, I'll tell you how I really didn't know something was different. I think I was, I don't know, catalogs, Sears and Penny catalogs. Okay. I remember, you know, flipping through. And at first, you know, it's with your best friend. In my case, it was Scott. And we were looking through the, the Spiegel. I think of the Spiegel catalog and we got to the ladies underwear and stuff. And if you're looking at the bras and stuff to see if you could see, cause you could see some areola or areola, whatever it's called uh -huh. through there sometimes. And maybe a slight impression of a nip, but they would do stuff. So you couldn't. Right. right? Uh -huh. But I'd be like all into, yeah, Cub Scouts. Look at that. You know, just like that big dictionary in the um, school library where you go look up all the dirty words right, and right, kids right. have written by each one. You know, the big dick that, yeah, scenario. that's in there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, the P word we mm -hmm. go in there. Right. Shit. All that. Mm -hmm. Ooh, look. Right. So it was kind of during that era, but then it dawned on me one day when I got home, I was after looking at him over at Scott's house during a Cub Scout meeting afterwards. Uh, 
after looking at the bras and panties, I went home. I was like, so I went to the, you know, the briefs. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's not like today where today, you know, they got straight up print. You can see it, the veins, everything. You can. <laughs> but back then it was like like those anatomically correct dolls, just a pouch. But it was enough for me. I was like, hmm, wonder what's under there. That kind of thing. And that's when, and how did I know it was something? Because, and it's horrible, because somehow it felt wrong. I Not wrong for me. Right. Like, like it was if society. I told anybody, they're going to say it's wrong. Mm-hmm. And that was when the process of discovery truly began for me. Took a long time too, decades, hmm. decades. Well, culturally, you know, there are some cultures, black, you, you know, you, you bring that out. Oh Lord, no, hell no, not up in here, you know. And we had one, one, hear how I said it? We had one of them in one our of, family. One we, of them. We did, my cousin Leon, God rest his soul. and. They, I would always hear them talking about, well, you know, Leon and his friend are coming. Right, Arthur. They were lovers, you know, because um, that's all they could be back then. They couldn't get married like I could today. Um, but I'd always congratulations. I don't, I don't, Thank I don't you. know how newer, how newer old it is, but congratulations for the ability to do that. I can tell you exactly. Oh man, that's awesome. 2013. I, I love it. That there, I never want to forget. So yeah. But I would listen to the things they'd say. They'd smile in Leon and Arthur's faces when they were at a family reunion or whatever it was we were attending. But then in the car, on the way home, or after they left our house, there'd be all these jokes. You know, there'd be all these things that, and I, it just felt wrong. And I would watch it from a distance. And one thing I did learn then, I didn't know I was gonna be actually gay. But I knew one thing from their example. I saw what I never wanted to become. Somebody who makes fun of others? Who makes fun of others. Right. So I learned that. And it's funny that you brought up the catalogs because I, I was just thinking about earlier earlier this morning, um, I sent you the, the Tanya Tucker song. I just listened to it while I was waiting on you. And, and, and it popped, as it popped up in my brain, I went... Oh my God, when I was a little kid, my mom had the CD of that. And I remember pulling the, the book out of the CD and there was a, a picture of Tanya Tucker in a bikini. And that used to that used to give me little tiny little pecker boners back, back when I was like six and seven years old. Oh my God. Really? Yeah. Wow. A little, little weirdo. Well, no, who's to say that's weird? See. You know, oh, then let me tell you, oh my God, I was 13 and in a foster home, right? Christian, Christian house, right? Almost to the point of cultish. Yeah. And Delroy Guild brought over a Playboy magazine and some, some, um, peppermint schnapps, right? And we were going to go to the University of Michigan with his mom the next day. She was going to defend her dissertation. And we'd both been excused from school to go and hang out and experience the University of Michigan, like an extended learning trip or something. Mm -hmm. He came over, slept over, brought that and brought the booze. I got sick because I'd never drank before and threw up all over the room. Anyway, we got busted, didn't get to go. 
<laughs> couldn't be friends for about two months because but of the booze because and of the, the playboy the, the, or well, just mainly because of the booze because of the booze i thought but then and that was like in august fast forward to november all this family's family is at their house for Thanksgiving. And they had, they were so foo-foo, they had those silver things that go over the plates. Like they bring out the turkey and it's underneath that thing. Yeah, well, like there, were two, the, there was the turkey the, the, one and yeah. there was another one. Yeah, on like the you table. lift it up and there's somebody's severed head and they, bah! that kind like, of thing. Their body's under no, the table. Wait, wait, wait for it. So we're all sitting there all ready. Like you can smell the turkey and he's getting ready to stand up and, you know, Say their grace and all this. They had already done that. They said grace. And we think it's time to eat. He goes, well, before we eat, I want to talk about something. And he lifts that thing off. And underneath there is that Playboy magazine, that empty bottle of peppermint schnapps, and the pamphlet from the church that says, why God doesn't want me to touch myself. Oh, and then he looked at me and said to everyone, this one likes pornography and alcohol, all the things of the devil. <laughs> and they all looked at me and I shrank to a place that I could not crawl out of for about 35 years. I mean, that's such shame to put on a child. So uh, imagine years mm -hmm. later when I'm struggling with my sexuality, I keep going back to that diving board. Like mm -hmm. you're a freak. And I was looking at women. Right. So it was a rough road. It, it was a rough it, road. It was, uh, it was contradictory to what their, what their Bible was telling or what their, what their version of whatever the Lord and whatever exactly. the, their version. Exactly. Of, Not of, even uh, the gay part. Right. Just, just sin, that, sin, that seeing the body to lust. Yeah. To lust. There you go. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what? What really sucked about it was, you know, I'm married now, thank God, and happily married, have been for five years. Um, I only dated one other time in my whole life. I was 22 and it lasted maybe six months. That was it. Mm -hmm. I was, I just figured out why would anyone want this? And mm -hmm. I would never want this for someone. And, um, Thought I was going to die alone. I really did. But all it took was that moment where I was connected to my everything. Some people refer to them as soulmates. Uh, where the gap completely closed instantly. Mm -hmm. Instantly. And I knew I would never be without this person. I just knew it. I said it. I saw an aura around my husband. The first day we met. And I told him, I said, you know, I'm most likely going to pursue you. And he's a therapist, which I didn't know at the time because it was being secretive, that mm -hmm. first date, of course. So he looks at me and he goes, huh, <laughs> okay. And we've rarely been apart ever since. <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah. So I'm just saying, I look at it like this, Corey. All that stuff that sounded so horrible that I've put out there so far, I'll tell you this. You'll be grateful when you get to the place in your journey where you can look at all those things that didn't make, didn't make sense and still in some ways don't. But you do know this. I bless all of those things. Every person that ever crapped on me, um, every person that ever hurt me or tried to or whatever. I bless them all. Why? And I let it go. I forgive them. Why? 
Because how bad could they be? They led I, me to the moment I live in today. That That's very similar to something I say a lot, too. Yeah. I say, like, you needed to be you so that I could be me. And I love me. So thank you. You're forgiven. Thank you for whatever whatever lesson you showed me that I needed. Uh, thank you. I'm not a victim to that. I'm not a victim to whatever you did. Because, right. Because being a victim isn't productive to where I want to go and who I want to be at all. Exactly. Right. Cast whatever doesn't serve you to the fire. Get rid of it. Just let it burn up. And you have to, you know, cause I say this all the time and I mean it. The longer you play around and don't get rid of things that do not serve you, the longer time you give them to trick you into serving them. Mm hmm. And I'm telling you, I tried that road. It doesn't work. And especially, especially like, I, I have to think about it sometimes when I think about how like susceptible I've been to getting worked. You know what I mean? Like when someone's come along who's a shyster and, and, and is down on their luck all the time. And then I go, Oh, I have this savior complex. Oh, yes. I, I can really, I can really try to assist you. And then you can think I'm a good person when I already know I'm a good person. Right. I'll, I'll subject myself to getting screwed over or having my things taken from me or having my time wasted. And, and especially after I've already told you how important to me, the value of time is the, the value of effort. Uh, I'm putting out all this effort and, uh, I've done it so many times with zero results. Uh, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go take my tennis balls and and play play a game with somebody who is wanting to play with me instead of that's right. Instead of me just roofing these tennis balls well, on top of that wall. And I'm gonna tell you, it's important to be. We need to be skeptical. Here's why, because when we're not, that's why people will hear me say, "Look at every opportunity." Because everything is an opportunity. But only if you've looked at it from top to bottom, bottom to top, side to side, side to side, corner to corner, and corner to corner. Because the thing that will serve you is, in many cases, not going to be obvious in those types of situations because of the originator's intent. But I don't care what the fuck what your intent was. I'm going to find something within this experience that will serve me because it's never about just one thing. So you got to be careful. You got to be skeptical. Why? Because if we're not, and we don't dig for that thing that serves us, those people will win by robbing you of the joy of being of service. Mm -hmm. You'll feel like, well, I ain't never loaning nobody money again. Because every time I do, I get fucked over. I don't get paid back. You know, right. Screw that. I ain't helping another motherfucker. You know, right. And when, when, you're, when your natural spirit is one of being of service, you can now, now you're saying, I don't care about quenching that thirst. Mm -hmm. which belongs to my soul, which is why my soul came to this earth to quench that thirst, to evolve, evolving with Corey Castle, to evolve into my highest version of myself. Right. You know, why would you not want every opportunity? So sometimes you gotta say, you know what? I need to banish you. I need to banish you. You don't, you have served your purpose. Your services are no longer required. Bye-bye. To the yeah. left, Felicia. You know, and, and also going going a little bit back to like, you know, having ret retrospect on things like so, 
when I look at like my my life and go like well, when I was a kid, all I ever wanted to do was I wanted to be a comedian and I wanted to be a pro wrestler. I didn't know I wanted to be a broadcaster. I didn't know I wanted to be a podcaster. Those things didn't really exist yet. So maybe the thing that you're feeling lost on doesn't exist yet. But, maybe. And, and, and you maybe it doesn't exist because you're the one who's supposed to bring it. Right, right. See, you can go from being invisible to a place where you could see yourself legendary. Well, you know, as as opposed to the alternative, which could be like, oh, well, nothing's for me. I guess I'll just give up on everything. I don't even need a drink. Like, drink it all. So um, has been my luck so far. So I think that a good amount of time, whenever I hear anyone say like, oh, it's just my luck that this thing will happen or that I'm thing will happen. Luck. And I, once I hear that, I go like, you're allowing too much power to that force that is not you. God, my chair's all the way up. All this time it's been bugging me that you're taller than me. <laughs> I'm going to be up here. How tall are you? I am six foot. Of course you are. I, I wish I was tall. I mean, I I would like to be taller. That would. That's oh greedy much. Try being five six. <laughs> well, you know, I I got this involved in, in a sport where everybody is like six eleven, like <laughs> to make it. If I, you know what I mean, like oh, I hadn't everybody that. everybody who is somebody in wrestling or ever got somewhere big, they're is huge, like six three or over. So I'm like, uh, right, not well, Ray, what about no, nah, not Ray Mysterio? There's exceptions. No, yeah. Ray, Randy Savage. And Rand, yeah. So there's there's exceptions. There's full Macho exceptions. Man Randy. He was my yeah. favorite. Yeah. I loved me some Randy Savage. Yeah, he was awesome. Yes. Do he? Do they ever have? I just want to. This is my only wrestling question. Do they ever have where they show them today? Or well, do most of them like want uh, their persona to be remembered from when they were at the peak? Uh, sometimes people do uh, take place in those like "Where are they now?" things, but uh, Randy never really did. Um, I know when he he passed away a few years back. He did. Uh, he was living very private. Yeah, he was not. He like he's he, dead. Yeah, he. Um, he had know. heart failure while he was driving, and. Uh, he like that happened and his wife grabbed the wheel and they crashed into a tree. Oh my God. So, um, a couple of years back, I can't remember very much about it, but wow. Um, I, myself and my friend, we went down, uh, to like film this like documentary scenes for this documentary. We like interviewed his brother and his brother took us to the tree to see all like the fans. Really? Yeah. Uh, wow, I didn't even know all that when I brought up that he's my favorite here. Yeah. You've met his brother and been yeah. to the tree. Wow. Yeah. It was it was it was a it was a cool experience. I bet. I it, he, he I just loved him. But you know what's funny? Everything we're talking about cycles back to trees somehow. It does. Right? Cuz we talked you talked about like the branches on the tree, and we were talking oh, about yeah, that we were talking about earlier. And the wind, and like it seems like there's a a, a real a trajectory here. Trajectory, uh, trajectory TV <laughs> network. Uh, well, you know what though? So let's fill everybody in on that. What we were talking about is 
how you know i was explaining to Corey that you know Corey, Corey castle is the tree the trunk he's the whole tree but he is the thing that makes everything else work or gives everything the chance to work at its best i.e you're the trunk but your root system is comprised of your your spiritual gifts and your relationships through those gifts that's the root system that keeps the tree nourished and growing and it dictates how big it becomes. And then the limbs are, you know, Corey Castle evolving with Corey Castle. Corey Castle, the the cemetery plot guy. Corey Castle, the podcast. Corey Castle, the boyfriend. On and on and on. Those are limbs. And they're all going to bear some kind of fruit, you know. And sometimes if you see fruit isn't producing, you need to prune the tree so that it can grow into its best. Bonsai. You know, right. So that's why we were talking about that, just to bring folks up to power. So, yeah. So, so uh, what is Was your that an outside nostril? Were you like digging in your nose on the outside of your nostril just now? No. Oh, because I was thinking that was very clever. Because it was like you were going like this when you really wanted to be up in that Joker. Oh. <laughs> no, I, I was, uh, that was autopilot. I was not thinking about where... <laughs> Where I was touching or where my finger wanted to be. That, that is the only time I forget that a kid is a kid. When I'm in a grocery store someplace and I see one of them and they go over in there and they pick it and they put it right in their mouth. And it's like, you nasty little mother. <laughs> you know, I think I think that way more people are way more comfortable picking their own nose all the time and not talking about it and trying oh, to hide it from people. Oh, I think people, tr people I see that on the freeway driving past up by they be going to yeah. town. <laughs> I think I think we I think as a society people feel too much pressure, uh too much too much shame on nose picking, but oh. every one of you guys do it when no one's around. Just like that. Mm -hmm. Oh my god, what button was that? I need to mark it a different color. That's my favorite one. What okay, I, anyway. I didn't hear anything. You didn't? One of these is just ridiculous. No. <laughs> that one. How did they get that inside? See, if, when I was a kid, did you do this? No, hey, no did way. you ever have a Stretch Armstrong? Oh, yeah. Yeah. How many? I had like 30 of them. And I had a Vac no. Man. Did you have a Vac Wait. Man ever? A what? Stretch Armstrong's arch nemesis was called Vac Man. No. And uh, they would never buy me. Any, well, because I kept cutting them open. Right. Yeah. Trying to figure out how they how they made that stuff yeah, to all make that stretch hair gel in there. I wanted to put it inside my other figures so they could stretch too. That was my <laughs> goal. But it just never. I didn't realize that's a plastic shell, Lauren. It's not gonna. So anyway, hey, it's Christmas season. I guess I gotta ask you, what is your favorite toy memory? What was your favorite? Like, oh my God, I'm gonna die if I don't get this toy. Oh God, I don't, I don't know. I think, it, I bet you it was like, I bet you it was like a PlayStation or some something like that. Oh, but digital. So I, I'd imagine it was probably something like that. I, I don't remember very much. Mm. Uh, I think, I think Christmas gifts, uh, I. For a long time, I always got like tons of DVDs and video games and stuff. 
And then like nowadays, I like I'm I'm very in the mindset of everything I ever want and need, I have. Anything I want and need, I get. Um, for myself, mostly. So no Christmas list. No, I don't really do that. No, I don't either anymore. Yeah, yeah. I don't either anymore. But my my favorite toy or thing that I got that I'll never forget was when I got my first ten speed bike. Because I didn't think I'd ever have one. My, it was one of my sisters. She was in college. She bought me a 10-speed, a silver one. And it was a Schwinn. And um, that was like the El Dorado of bikes back then. That was yeah. in the 70s, yeah. So I remember that bike. Then it got stolen. I got it back, though. I got it back because it was registered. But, um, yeah, I forgot to lock it outside the library one day, public library, because somebody stole it. And I tried to lie and tell my mom that I, I did lock it up. I'll never forget that <laughs> that lock was 504. That was the number 504. And I, I did lock it. She goes, oh, did you? I said, yes. She goes, okay, if you locked it, how come I'm holding the lock? <laughs> right. It was like right. she found it in the garage on the floor or something. You forgot to bring it with you to the library. Yep. And I mean, I, but they found it. You know, and it was still pretty decent. It was scratched up and shit. I had to get a new seat, but I had my silver. I had my bike. So um, we just got a few minutes left. Um, yeah, yeah. What, are your, what are your plans for Christmas? Because it's Christmas now, but I don't know when this is going to air. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm, you know, I'm just going to spend time with family. And that's what I think is the most important thing. I agree. And um, the... There's a couple more things, and then I'll I'll send you off to the sunset with a with a oh, hot dog and a handshake. There you go. Okay, so uh, never mind. I'm not gonna say it. I want to give you this opportunity because you're you're such a natural host, and when we have a conversation, it goes back into you like asking me questions like a host. I I love that, and I want to constantly embrace it. So at this point, I'm gonna give you the opportunity to tell me anything you want to tell me or say anything you want to say to me. Cause to me, the, 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 the really important stuff uh, is that we're getting to have these conversations like on the record. I, I, I say that because um, when I first started doing the show, my mom had told me a story about how she saved these voicemail messages onto a CD that her mother had left her oh. and that her best friend had left her who had passed. And she said, you know, like, when someone dies and you kind of forget what their voice sounds like. Yeah. And I was like, you know, I, I really don't want that. I want to have meaningful conversations with people where I tell them on the record stuff. When I ask them if they want to say anything on the record or anything to me or ask me anything, because like I, I've, I've had a few guests now who've been on the show who are no longer with us and listening back, listening back to our uh. episodes have, have really, have really helped me get through that, that portion. Okay, so now you're asking me to leave my final will and testament. No, no, I don't expect you to You might get hit by a semi tomorrow or later today. (laughs) And so I just want to have it on here. Oh, my God. No, but Uh, on the record, I I definitely want to tell you I'm looking forward to our relationship and where it's headed. Uh, And I'm I'm excited that we're friends. And I'm looking forward. You and know. I hope you live to be a very old oh, yeah. man. Dude, we'll 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 look back and we'll laugh about this in 20 sure years. Sure we will. Okay, I'm gonna say this. I'll go, I'm going out there because it's not something I'm like this. I'll tell you to your face before I'll say it behind your back. 
but I've said this to you, to your face, and I'll say it in front of God and everybody, because I've seen it. One of my gifts is that they give me, when I say they, well, everything you believe is greater than us. They give me, it's a gift. They give me um, glimpses from time to time into the future greatness of certain people. And I know that I've seen myself sitting in my own home, in my own living room, watching you, Corey Castle, in a comedy movie. I've seen it. And I know it's going to happen. And I have no doubt whatsoever because a movie I'm in comes out next this coming Friday. Hey, a week from today, a week from today. And if you'd have told me I'd be saying that a year ago, I'd have said, you know what, quit playing. Ain't no damn way. I'm a, but I know, and I wasn't even looking for it. And I know you've manifested it through, through speaking it into existence. And it's just on its way to you and you to it. So I just want to say that. That's what I want to say. I know that I am going to watch you uh, as an actor. And I can't wait until that day comes because awesome. you're a natural. Thank so there you, you go. Okay. So this is kind of going into that same part of it a little bit. This next part. Uh, I, I do a, I do a clip where it, I, I call it, I want to say it's audio time travel, right? So the segment is you're speaking directly to anybody who's listening to this 20 years from the future who loves you the most. Say your husband stumbles across this, your family members, your your followers, your, your like ride or dies, your, your real truest fans. Uh, what is the message that, that they can hear in 2042 that's going to that's going to help them with their version of evolving at that point to be a better version of themselves. Hmm. What would you say to inspire? And so I'm assuming again I'm dead by then. No, no, you're assuming all wrong. Why is your brain going? Well, cuz I'm 60. 40 what? years from now would make me 100. Even though well, my grandfather was 109. Well, be 100, man. <laughs> that's true. I am trying to be the black male Betty White. There you go. I am. Well, I would say this. As a 100-year-old working influencer, <laughs> I am going to tell you what I know to be true. When you get to be this age and you get to be this far inside your journey, because nothing lasts forever, it's not about how you started the race. It's not about how you ran the race. It's about what faces are looking back to you as you exit the race. Are you happy with what you see looking at you? And are they looking happy as they look at you? Because that's when you know those are the faces of the people that you have served. And that is the face of the people that have served you. And they're the ones that will give you a look that guarantees, no matter where you go to next, that you have left your work in their capable hands. That every truth you ever lived will stay that way because they will make sure that it is right here where people in the future will walk directly into your work. So go on, Lauren, go on so-and-so, go into what is next. We got you. So that's what I would say. All right. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, got to ring the bell. Do you do any impressions at all? No. I used to do Louise Jefferson. George! Okay, there it is. <laughs> okay. So <laughs> one more thing, and then I'll jump back into the impressions thing. Uh, so... Hypothetically, I've like this last 
a couple segments, I've basically given you this show. Let's say, hypothetically, I've gifted you this show. This has been your first episode of Evolving with Dr. Lauren Michael Harris. Oh. So in your pilot episode, just like uh, Jerry Springer's final thought, you wrap up the most important lessons we've talked about, maybe like some of the most important takeaways, things that will that really be meaningful for, for folks to, you know, get on their path yeah to evolving with us i would say this as we get out of here i love that this is here that we come together evolving with lauren michaels harris but i want why are we evolving ing means that we are in the process of something in the moment right now when someone calls you you can't tell, sorry call me back i'm eating oh sorry i can't i'm sleeping right so we are evolving. And what does that mean? To keep it simple. It means that you want to get from point A to point B. And point A is where you're at. And point B is everything right beyond where you're at. So don't make point B 100 years from now. Because I'm already at point B from when I first said it. Boom, bam, just like that. Live in the now. Because that's how you can find how to live in the wow. Mic drop. <laughs> Thanks so much. <laughs> I, I, I value you. I respect you. I, I, I have, I have much love for you. Thank you for doing this. I want to, want to make sure to let you know that I'd like to be a resource for you in some way. So if you're ever feeling like you've got nobody you can talk to, or if you feel like you got a, an idea that you just need to share with somebody, let me be that resource for you. And I also want to say to anybody who's checking this out, if you, as far as when I say like that, that effort is so the currency of effort is so important to me. If, if at any point you feel like you're alone and you got nobody to talk to, reach out go. to me. My DMS are wide open all the time. So don't ever feel alone for sure. And that's absolutely main. That's mainly going at like, at you at the moment <laughs> i'm saying uh, i want to be that resource for you but anyone else i always say if if you exist let me know you exist like maybe maybe leave leave a comment or maybe maybe hit subscribe or you know jump into the dms and you know tell us what you want to hear right okay I, i'm with I'm, it i'm grateful for you thank, thank you for you. doing this this has been a blast. And uh thanks for having me. This is just this is just the start still. Okay. So impression. Yes. In in your best impression, uh who is Maud Jefferson? Louise Jefferson. Louise from, Jefferson. And we're moving on up. Yes, Louise Jefferson. Which she would say the, the way we close out every show is whoever your impression is says the catchphrase be fun, have safe, keep evolving. Oh Lord. That's too much. Wait, I'm going to mute and practice. Not going to happen. <laughs> I only know one word in her impression world. George, and you've heard it. George! Be fun! Be safe! <laughs> Keep evolving! George! <laughs> Weezy! Okay. Okay, that's it. I'm done. Oh, Lord. And most of your, your viewers are too young to even know what the Jeffersons was. So that's that works in my favor.
Thank you, Corey. It was a, it was let's, a true let's not assume. Let's not assume anything. Okay, we, well, don't, we don't know. We don't know. Go and Google it. The Jeffersons. It was a hit. Okay. Thanks, Corey. It was a blast. I love it. Thanks for stopping by. Everybody who's checked us out, be kinder to yourselves. Be kinder to other people. Love yourself. Love of other people. Be fun. Have safe. Keep evolving. Keep evolving.